Hello and welcome to this EPP Group podcast. We're talking about the EPP for Youth campaign. My name's Jack Parrick and I've been chatting to members of the European Parliament and to young people about what the future of the EU means for younger generations and how we can make sure it's being shaped in the way they want it to be. So why are we doing this? 2022 is the European Year of Youth and the European People's Party is running the EPP for Youth campaign to coincide. And the headline for it is Your Voice, Your Future, Our Mission. It's really a chance for young people to engage with EU politicians about the issues that affect them. So we're going to hear from politicians in this podcast. But before we do, I wanted to gauge the sentiment of young Europeans to hear their voices on the EU and to hear their hopes and fears for the future so that we can put that to the politicians here in Brussels, where I am, and make it their mission. So to do this, I went out onto the streets here to ask young people, and I also asked people to get in touch with me via Twitter and arranged a few interviews over video call. You'll hear in the recording which of them are done online, and those guys are pretty much already engaging directly in EU issues, which is why, obviously, they reached out to me. But first, we start with Mary, who I met outside a train station in Brussels. I'm 21, and I'm from Denmark. If they spoke up or did, I guess, more for modern issues like the environment, stuff like that, I I think I would actually listen a bit more and pay more attention to it Uh, because I feel like there's still a lot of issues that aren't really taken care of. Uh, Not Danish politics as well, so I feel like if they could, you know, do the things I would want to do in politics or speak for me in a certain way, then yes, I would be more excited about that. I'm called Bruce, I'm uh, 18, I'm from uh, France. Uh, yes, I feel connected to it in the um, way that I um, always uh, try to follow the um, news about the uh, European Union. I Well, I'm um, invested a lot in uh, politics, uh, in the political actuality in the political politics news so yeah I feel connected uh, like my generation I would say uh, on uh, climate issues I know some things are done yeah uh, but I sometimes think it's not always enough I'm Josh I'm 15 and I also come from France I'm very connected to the EU I was born in it I was, I was raised in it and I really like what it does what it gives to us my name is Antoine, I'm 16, so I live in Hong Kong, so I think I'm quite internationally minded. Um, so I do see it as an important part for me to have a more global and international uh, future. I should also try to be engaged, so um, yeah, I don't think I did my have to done my part yet. I'm Dermot Hamill, I'm 18 and I'm from Northern Ireland. For me it's really important because I live right along the border with the Republic of Ireland and I am an Irish citizen and obviously I'm starting university next year so things like the Erasmus scheme and just having, I mean EU funding is really important in Northern Ireland for a lot of our peace organisations, a lot of our youth organisations as well. The EU had a role to play in our peace process and a lot of the money that comes from EU really and truly helps to uphold our peace and to make sure it's cemented. So I'd say that 
we in Northern Ireland appreciate a lot because of the important role it plays in our society rather than it just kind of being something that's there. Hi, I'm Cayetana Fernandez. I'm from Spain. I'm 24 years old and I'm currently a law and international relations student. For me, it really is a perfect example of how diversity and, and cooperation can, can do great things. Uh, so I take it as an example also for my local politics here in Spain and, and seeing how, how really um, adversity uh, can reach and take you to to a to a, to a unity and a, and a harder unity for for everyone. I feel like democracy is a big issue in the European Union and just the the feeling of people to to believe they they belong to something greater than just their their nation. Hi, my name is Luis. Where are you from, Luis? I'm from Brussels. I live here. And how old are you? I'm 23. What does the European Union mean to you? To me, it means uh, being in Brussels, it's like the centrum and uh, multicultural stuff. Uh, it's about uh, taking decisions and I don't know if, uh, if I'm really connected to it because I'm quite young and I don't really feel part of it. But on another hand, I feel like it's a cool thing because it brings, still, it brings us together. Do you think young people are more pro-European? How do you think they could connect with, with the EU institution? You live here in Brussels and you don't feel connected yeah. to it. No, I don't because I feel like they are, they are taking their decision a bit away from us. We just see the result of those, uh, of those uh, discussions and stuff. I don't feel, really feel like we're part of it because they don't really ask for our advice as young people. But I wish we could be more part of it, actually. I'm Jakub. I'm from Poland. I live in Wrocław. Uh, I study law at the university in Wrocław. Uh, I'm 21 and I'm working for one of the multinational companies. I think that membership in the European Union is really crucial, especially now we see uh, how many problems uh, we have to face. Like there is a climate change, we've got Russia, we've, we had COVID and uh, the next wave is coming to Europe. But I was thinking what's the most important for membership, about membership in the EU for Polish people. And I think that's something like the matter of dignity. like. When I see people who are now 50, 60, they were going illegally just to work uh, in the UK, in Germany, in France. When I see people who are now 30, they were uh, standing in the huge queues at the border, uh, just going to do the simply work uh, in Germany. For my generation, something really normal that we are going around the Europe and we are equal, we feel the same, we don't feel worse. I think that's the most beautiful, uh, this intangible thing uh, in membership in the EU. One thing I will say is that pretty much every single one of those people I spoke to mentioned, at least in passing, that free movement around the EU is something they hold dearly. Okay, so now let's move on. Let's hear from the European People's Party Group Chairman, Manfred Weber. I sat down with him for a few minutes in his office in the European Parliament in Brussels. Young people enjoy, first of all, Europe. When they experience that they can travel all around Europe, they can go for Erasmus to study in another city, to enjoy, to know others from other nations. That is what European feeling is all about and that is what hopefully a lot of young uh, people uh, enjoy in today's European Union. 
And the second thing is for me, the European Union is the, is the insurance for our European way of life. We can only defend this, our way of living, our way of uh, organizing a society, of thinking a society, with freedom, democracy, rule of law. We only can do so and defend this if we are together as Europeans. I wonder if you think that the young people of Europe feel that they actually want to be participant in the project of Europe or whether they see it more as something they get out of it and, and, and perhaps how important that balance is as, as we sort of move this project forward. Young people ask, what does this concretely bring to me? And this uh, understanding of, uh, does it make sense? No? Does it contribute to my life? Is an absolutely reasonable question. So that's why Europe has to deliver. Uh, Europe is today the continent who is fighting against climate change like no other continent on the, on the, on the globe is doing so. We are the frontrunners. Let's be proud about this. Uh, we as European Union, as Europeans, we are dictating Facebook, Google and all the big giants the rules for their business. No? We are doing so. So we are protecting privacy, for example. So that is what we are doing in the everyday life as European Union. And there we are really delivering to the interests. On the other hand, Europe only can work if it is a democratic Europe, when people feel involved. If Europe is a bubble, if Europe is in Brussels, far away, then people will not support the idea of a joint European Union, of a common European identity. That's why we have to engage and even speed up in our way towards a full democratic European Union where people decide about the future. How can we persuade young people that the solutions are within the European Union? It is a fact that we are living in a period of time where we have uh, multi-crisis management in front of us. Uh, the war, the climate change, the demographic development, the globalization, migration flows. So we are living in this world. We cannot choose. We cannot select another one. It is our reality. My answer is, who else than us should manage this? We have a well-educated young generation, well-experienced. We have a lot of money in our market. We are the biggest market of the world as Europeans, bigger than the Americans, bigger than the Chinese. And we have a common thinking about rule of law, democracy and freedom, basic principles for a society. So who else than us? So yes, there are big challenges, but there is, op there is optimism now needed huh? that if we answer them, if we are ready to move, if we are ready to change ourselves, then we can have a good future, but we have to do it. Do you sense that when you engage with young people that they're perhaps wary of previous generations and, and perhaps the post-war generation especially? We have obviously one of the big uh, points about uh, the fairness towards the young generation when it's about the social model of the European Union because uh, the young generation has to pay the pensions for the today retired people. Each generation has its special challenges. And the key question for us is, Believe in our way of living, of a European way of life. Believe in our way of how we do things, and then we can solve them. So it's up to us to do it. And if we are united, if we are innovative and strong, then we can manage it. And then we have, will have a good future. Let's move now to the details of the EPP for Youth event. It's divided into five sections, and we're going to hear from EPP MEPs on each of them. 
They are, one, climate change and sustainability, two, jobs, digitalization and innovation, three, disinformation and security, four, youth programs like Erasmus and Discover EU, and five, health, including mental health. So let's go a bit deeper, starting with climate change and sustainability. Take a listen to my chat with one of the EPP group's youngest MEPs, who's 31 years old. I'm Lidia Pereira. I'm from Portugal. I'm the president of the Youth of EPP and I'm a member of the European Parliament. I wonder if you can give me an overview of how the European Union, the European Parliament, connects with young people on this issue, which is so big for them. I think the European Union is the best example on where we focused on the liver for the future generations. Think about the European climate law. It's the first climate law in the world that addresses and it defines the, the, the objectives for climate neutrality by 2050. So this is a clear sign, a political sign that the EU heard the voices of the youth. And this happened during the one of the most difficult times of our generation, which was the pandemic. So right in the middle of the pandemic, the climate change did not uh, lose its importance in the political agenda. And therefore, we had the approval of this climate law. And now we are also discussing the so-called Fit for 55, the package that is actually the roadmap for decarbonizing our economy. You mentioned the sort of big packages and the political issues, but how can their voices be brought directly into the debate, apart from in just events like this one that's taking place? Well, the civic engagement has changed uh, over the course of years. Um, we see that young people are still very active. They are present in these protests in the streets. They are present in online communities. Uh, we just need to bring them also for the center of the decision making. And this is done by bringing them for the different institutions, organizations, be it at the local level, in the city council, or here in the European Parliament. So the youth cannot, and this is something that I think is actually changing, the youth cannot be put all the time as some sort of an advisory council. They have to be in the core of the decision making. They have to be members of parliament. They have to be uh, city councillors. And this is how we can actually drive change. Because what I see is that uh, being a member of the parliament and having the opportunity to exchange with different generations, um, we can see things from an angle that sometimes is not so clear for, uh, for other colleagues. And if we meet the youth and experience, we have the best outcome. And this is how I, th I see that the youth can be more engaged. You yourself are a young MEP. How have you been able to use that platform to engage more? What, what personal responsibility do you feel, I suppose, is, is the question there? I've been pushing the EPP to uh, address uh, climate issues and environment um, in a very blunt way without any concern of, uh, um, of taking ownership that we actually are the party, we are the political group that delivers a credible agenda for these very complex uh, challenges that we have ahead of us and climate change is one of them. If we think about the fact that 100 years ago climate change was not one of the topics that politicians had to address, this means that democracy and our societies are more complex. So. Uh, what I do is actually actively um, uh, raising my voice and um, explain why these issues are so important for uh, certain 
um, sectors of our society, in particular the youth. We have now, m uh, the, the profile of the youth today is much more educated. Most of them are urban, um, working class, working in private sector, public sector. But the truth is that the trends are people are going to move to the cities. So we have to uh, acknowledge this and we have to adapt. Uh, and this is something I also do here in the parliament. What happens if young people aren't brought on in these projects? What, happen, what happens if the EU loses touch with young people on climate change? Well, then the EU will be failing uh, for future generations and then other, uh, other, other uh, programmes like the next generation EU makes absolutely no sense. So I'm very confident that the EU is not going to do such thing. We've been the leaders in the fight against climate change, but we also have to acknowledge that we cannot do this alone. And it's very, very important that we convince other geographies in the world to embark in this transition, because otherwise, and the EU is the one, geographically speaking, is the least responsible for um, CO2 emissions. We are doing our job, we are doing our part, but we really need to drag the others or to convince the others to uh, be on this together. Okay, next we're turning to digital. I was sat in the European Parliament in Brussels while Ava Maidel, EPP MEP, was in a studio in the second seat of the European Parliament in Strasbourg. Take a listen to our chat. The EPP for Youth campaign means for me an opportunity to spend the week uh, with some of the brightest young minds in Europe um, while being in the European Parliament in Brussels, uh, in our own bubble, uh, but bringing this freshness, uh, creativity, different point of view um, from um, young people from across of Europe, um, giving them the chance to understand better what we do and the work we do on a daily basis, but also learning from them. You're across so many of the major sort of digital and tech issues. How do you expect that this youth campaign might affect the way that the group presses on these issues? How do you affect it, think it might change your mind on how you work? I have always been um, in favour of reverse mentoring. I think it's extremely important to learn from one another, irrespective of our um, age difference or nationality or background, um, it's extremely important that we have this reverse mentoring. So um, during that EPP Youth Week um, and campaign, if we are to share our experiences, it would be even more important um, that the group of next generation Europeans uh, shares their views and their experiences and how they see technology evolve in the next five to 10 years. Um, that's why for me, it will be so much about listening, about learning, about discussing together and coming up with a couple of priorities um, that would make sense, not just from the perspective of an experienced politician, um, meaning the colleagues um, that are that I'm surrounded with, uh, but also from the point of view of someone that um, you know makes use of these technologies on a, on a daily basis. Do you think young Europeans, I suppose, see Europe as a digital organization, see the EU as a as a home of digital innovation? 
they don't know any other type of Europe, really. They've been born with their devices in their hands. In fact, if you speak to five-year-old and you refer to the times um, when, you know, in some countries like my own, we used not to have a TV at home, um, then their, their argument and their question is, so what did you have, just iPads? Um, so they do not remember <laughs> the time when there were no iPads and no mobile phone um, and no uh, speedy connections. Um, in fact, when my son sees a traditional telephone, asks me, what is this? <laughs> um, and, and so I, I think that's, that's, you know, because of the way they see the world today, they, they don't know any other type of, of, of realities. I think they also see jobs in a very different uh, way. I think they see the whole employment in a very different way from the way even you and I see it. And we are not our parents' generation. Um, they see it as much more flexible. They see it, um, um, the, the job market, they, they see it in a very different way, also in a more entrepreneurial way. Um, so this is why um, having the time to discuss with them. And, you know, for me, um, this campaign is not just about sending our messages um, to the next generation of Europeans. For me, it's uh, really about they sending their messages um, to us. What can you do during this week to try and support their understanding of what happens here and also how they can influence those things? First of all, we need to become better at communicating um, what we do um, to fight disinformation, for example, uh, what we do to support innovation. Um, and so we cannot just speak with abbreviations like the DSA or the DMA or the code of practice. Um, we need to make sure we have easy to access digestible language. Um, and this is what I'll, I'll try to do. I'll try to sit and uh, have this sort of brainstorming session where I explain in very practical terms um, what this legislative process means, how it works, what we believe we have um, delivered, and what and how we believe it's going to work uh, on the ground um, when when it's implemented. And I would love to hear from all the participants, their views on, on, on what they think we've achieved. When it comes to disinformation and, and how to fight misinformation and, and disinformation, I believe the EPP should be the champion of critical thinking across society uh, and education. And this is why having the opportunity uh, to very to focus and to discuss uh, with participants from across Europe, uh, we need to stress that education needs to include digital literacy, critical thinking, um, just as equally it includes uh, languages or, or maths. Um, it's an essential skill nowadays to possess, especially because these youngsters, as we've discussed, live in this interconnected and digital world, and they don't know any other um, type of analog. Uh, so to say, world. Um, and so this is why I think when it comes to the work of the institutions, um, we need to make 
uh, sure we are more transparent. Um, we need to explain how decisions are made. And having this direct contact uh, during that campaign will be very valuable. Um, I think the greatest myth buster around this information is giving people the opportunity to see how things work for themselves. And this is what we will try to do. Right, let's turn to the issue of security and defence now. Russia's war against Ukraine has brought this issue into hyper-focus in the European Union. So I spoke with Belgian EPP MEP Tom van den Kendelara. I think really what we want to do is to have uh, the European youth realise that what the European Parliament is doing, that it's all about their future. Um, their next day future, but definitely also their future in, in the medium to long term. There is now a war on Europe's doorsteps. What does this mean for EU security and what does it mean for the young people in the EU? I think in recent times we have never been through a situation like the one we're facing today. It is a war that is going on in Ukraine. The enemy is Russia, that's quite clear. Um, but it is a combination of factors. It is what we tend to consider as the classical war with, with tanks and, and armies. But there is definitely also a part of modern warfare going on as well, using refugees to put at our borders, to put us under pressure, uh, hybrid attacks uh, against our infrastructure. Um, it is for the first time, I think, where we're really facing uh, challenges in such a multitude uh, of, 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 of issues that we really need to think through again how we as Europeans want to defend ourselves, but also um, what is it that we stand for and how far are we willing to go to defend that? What do young people need to be doing or what does the European Union need to be doing to engage young people on these issues that are perhaps a little bit more difficult, a little bit harder to approach? I think it's the most difficult uh, challenge that, that we're now facing in the sense that um, after the World War, it was quite easy uh, to realise that what they needed then to do was to reconstruct Europe, basically. Um, as from the 80s, that generation then realised that they had to work together economically to, to be creating an even better future than the one they had already because the, 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 the Cold War was just behind them or almost behind them and they started to cooperate uh, economically. Now we've reached, I would call it the European Union 3.0, where um, we're doing well economically, but where we are again facing war, and where internally we have to ask ourselves a few questions. What are the values we really have in common with each other? How far do we want to go to defend those values? And uh, what is it that we want to show to the rest of the world about these values? What do you think young people can do to get engaged with these issues? It is definitely uh, difficult. It's a hard topic. Uh, but I do think it is important for us to know how strong a European defence can become, because I think that's all. It's our joint wish to make a strong European defence. How far can we, can we make that go? Uh, but also, what are, we, what are we defending? What is it that, uh, according to them, that needs being defended? Um, is it... Uh, the fact of being able to go on Erasmus, just to call that most simplest uh, example, or is it really about uh, values such as respect for human rights, human dignity, um, the fact of um, uh, equality between men and women? Um, is, is that what we, what we want to defend? This is, I think, where you need to get its voice heard 
and where uh, a new generation can voice its opinion. Young people are bombarded with disinformation. What does the EU do to protect them and what does it need to do more and what do they need to be doing to engage? I think disinformation uh, simply is the biggest challenge to our democracy as we know it today. We have always um, had elections, we had representatives uh, giving information to us and people needing uh, to, to give representation. This information is coming through all that and is challenging it. But it is challenging it in such a technological way that we are not even longer realizing that it is in fact undermining all of it. I think it will be about uh, defending democracies like we know them, but integrating the technology that is able to defend it in a proper way. The EU has got a tool, good toolbox to, to do that. Do you think the issues around defence are going to be a dominating factor for the young people that are taking part in this event in the coming years? Unfortunately, it will have to be. Um, I think uh, I'm 37 years old, you're 33. We have never been thinking properly about European defence uh, unless in, in, more of a, um, in more of a distant future way uh, because we were never facing war. But now it, it has clearly changed. And um, this forces us to think about how European defence can be part of, of our European story. Up until now, we have been talking about potentially only positive stuff, uh, going on Erasmus indeed, traveling around, internal market, easing mozzarella of Italy on your uh, Belgian pizza. Um, we, we're, facing with, we're faced with climate change now. That is already something more negative, uh, something we have to deal with. But the, the, the prospect of, of a proper war that, that might last long in the future needs us to think about how we would want to work together in a European way. If we can do it for Erasmus, why couldn't we do it uh, for European defense? One of the things young people do engage with directly with regards to the European Union are the youth programmes like Erasmus, where they can go and study in another country for a semester or even a, a whole year, or Discover EU, where they can apply for a free travel pass to go and experience another country. These things are really important outreach for the European Union. My name is Sabine Verheyen, I'm from Germany. I'm a member in the European Parliament since now 13 years and I'm actually chair of the Committee for Culture and Education. So the tagline of the EPP for Youth event is Your Voice, Your Future, Our Mission. What does that mean as a sort of statement for you? This is a very important statement because I think the young generation must be loud. They must uh, uh, say what they want, what they stand for, what are their expectations for the future. We have to listen, we have to involve them into our discussion processes to uh, help us. Uh, it's important that the young people help us to create the future that fits for them, not just for the old people and for us. So we, we want to talk to you specifically about, uh, you know, Erasmus and Discovery U and, and the youth programmes. How can this youth project encourage young people to get involved in those things or inform the policies around those projects that, that, that you work on? 
the aim of, of all these youth programs is that young people can make an experience abroad, that they learn to know each other, that they have a kind of intercultural learning that helps them also to understand the spirit of Europe, uh, what we are doing here to try to uh, to work together than work against. The, the young generation did not experience the war like my parents did or my grandparents did. Even me did not experience this, but I see how important this project, this European project is, and it, we must define our new goals also for the future. And I think there it is important that young people come together, that they exchange, that we have programs like Erasmus Plus for all kinds of education, uh, for teachers, for uh, learners, for students, for uh, people in VAT training. Uh, but uh, it's also important to have the youth program where youth organization can cooperate cross-border and uh, that we have this, uh, let's say, low-level low or low-barrier approach with the Discover EU program where everyone can take part, even if he's not organized in a youth organization, he can uh, uh, um, participate in this program to learn to know Europe, to learn to know uh, our uh, unity in diversity. What practically do you think maybe needs to change about these programmes? I mean, they always need to evolve, I suppose. First, I was quite happy that we got more money for this uh, multi-annual flame framework. But what is important is that the programmes become more inclusive. And inclusive uh, does not just mean to include people with disabilities, that's very important, but also to give all youngsters a chance to take part in the programmes, to have also people with more difficult social background, uh, giving them an opportunity to take part. Because... Uh, to identify with Europe, to have a European idea, to, to get an impression and a feeling for what Europe means is important in all parts of our society. You, you mentioned earlier the budget and I wonder if you could explain a little bit about that, how it works, how well ring-fenced the budget for programmes like Discover EU for uh, Erasmus and Erasmus Plus, how protected are they? Uh, we had to fight a lot because first uh, the member states wanted to reduce the programs. There was uh, a proposal by the Commission that should have been reduced and we fought so that in the end we got nearly a doubling of the, of the, of the budget compared to the uh, f uh, f former program. So uh, I think it's always uh, every seven years we are fighting for that and also each and every year how many m money out of that seven years budget is given in this and that and that year. For example, at the moment we are fighting to get more to to work on the on the on the problems that we were facing through COVID-19, there are many projects that couldn't take part in the last years. So we need now at the moment more money so that the pro, uh, projects and programs can be done that were missed during the two years. In addition to that, was planned originally in that time. Finally then, let's talk about health. The pandemic has brought healthcare massively into focus and mental health too, and it's really important for young people. Maria Walsh is an Irish EPP MEP who works intensively on this issue. Take a listen to what she had to say speaking during a debate in the European Parliament. Colleagues, last year UNICEF reported that suicide is the second leading cause of death among our young Europeans. That same report outlined here in Europe, nine million of our adolescents aged 10 to 19 years are living with mental disorders, nine million. And what are we doing? Colleagues, our citizens are dying in silence. 
We heard from many today, and that statistic cannot be put aside anymore. For once and for all, we must remove the stigma around mental health. We must be the voice for each and every citizen, and we must bring about real and meaningful change for this and future generations. There can be no debate or policy discussion on health, on care, on the future of our European Union without the mental health of our citizens at its very core. To deliver better mental health services, we as policymakers across committees and countries must wake up and learn to communicate with one another and work together. This report on mental health in the digital world of work examines benefits and the risks of digitalization. Drawing from the experiences of our employees and employers over the past two and a half years that they faced of the COVID-19 pandemic. By supporting this report, you will join our call to update current EU legislation to respond to the new realities of the digital way of working, thus enabling companies and countries to really facilitate positive mental health practices for themselves and their workforce. So there we go. That brings us to the end of this podcast. If you want to get involved in the EPP for Youth event, head to the website eppforyouth.eu and also make sure you're checking out the Instagram account, which is at youdiscovereu. So at youdiscovereu. And also make sure you're using the hashtag and checking it out, which is hashtag eppforyouth. Also, make sure you're following the EPP group on all social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye.